0: To in this case, a podcast from Hilti that goes behind the scenes at one of the most iconic brands in the world of construction. We'll talk to the people who make it all happen and ask them who, how, what if, and of course, why. Here's your host, Claire Combs. Welcome back. In the last episode, we asked about where new product ideas come from at Hilti. Today, we pull back to take a big picture look at what it takes to turn a good idea into a real-world product on use on job sites around North America. As you might imagine, there are a lot of moving parts, so we're going to focus this episode on the gate process the hub teams use to stay on track and on the same page with their partners globally and in the field.
1: Are you you ready? Okay. Yeah, Claire. Good to be here today. Uh, David Walker.
0: David manages the Power Tools and Accessories business unit for Hilti North America, and he's no stranger to the product launch process.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting as I talk to friends or people in other industries, it's not just Hilti that uses a gate process. I think probably many industries that bring products to market use a similar similar process or fashion. But yeah, I'd love to talk to you about it.
0: Like David said, the idea of designing a product launch with a series of gates is not unique in and of itself, but the work that happens within these gates and the way we integrate the process into our workflow, that's straight up Hilti.
1: So at Hilti, we have the, uh, we have six gates, technically six gates. And if we started at gate one, we would be in a
2: idea phase. The first gate, is then referred to as the business opportunity, describing the business opportunity.
0: That was Heinrich Zetterquist, business unit manager for direct fastening.
2: So in there, um, you will do a high level assessment of the commercial potential of a product. And you will also then look a little bit at what high level needs does this product need to fill for customers.
0: We met Heinrich in the first episode of the series, and if you listen to that episode, you're pretty up to speed on gate one. So let's go ahead and fast forward to the next step, gate two.
2: The second gate is where you define the requirements of a product. So there you really define and say, what should this product look like? Let's say how much load does an anchor need to carry, or how many revolutions does a tool need to have in order to drill fast, or What kind of um, weight can a tool be allowed to have? Or how does it need to look?
0: And where do you get, who's doing that definition? That's
2: that's a definition that is typically done between the product manager in the market, the product manager globally, and the development team, uh, where the development team is then also ensuring that the solution that is asked for is feasible from a development perspective.
1: We're then trying to put a little bit more of a business case to it. And what I mean by that is we're trying to determine, okay, we could make this product at roughly this cost. We think that we could sell it in the market at this price. We know we have a cost of doing business, right? So we have to make sure that that's something we could do profitably before we move ahead. And then we also have to to come up with an analysis of, well, how many of that product could we sell? because that has a lot to do with your manufacturing and your cost of manufacturing and warehousing and distribution. So that's really the next thing is it's not a final number, but it's, you know, it's our best educated guess at that point in the project of how many of that product could we sell.
0: So this will come up a couple times throughout the series, but it sounds like the million dollar question is how do we get to that number?
1: I actually love to talk about that Piece of it. Uh, it's fun to talk about and to think about. So there's a lot of art to this process. There's some science, but there's also a lot of art to it. And what I mean by that is, you know, really, it's up to the product manager to be creative and to think of as many ways as they can think of to come to that number of the product that we might be able to sell. And what I mean by that is, is in many cases when we're at this. Point in the process, or even the next gate, which we'll talk about in a minute. I encourage product managers to to think of five different ways that you could come up with the right number that we would be able to sell. And five is just a it's 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 a stretch, but you know some product managers can probably come up with more ways to get to a number. And anytime you have, you can imagine if you only used one formula to come up with the number of products that you might sell. Chances of being right are pretty low. But when you can come at that number with many different rationales of how to determine how many of this product we might sell, but if you're looking at the number of customers we have in a trade, the number of customers that buy, for example, a certain product line from us that might be likely to also buy this one, you know, those type of formulas are are really what we're using and, and hopefully many of those different formulas to come to this number. In gate two, we have also come up with what we think is the value proposition. We think that customers would like this product because of these features or these benefits. So then in gate three, we really start to test
2: that.
0: Okay, listeners, just a quick heads up that we will take a much deeper look at how we get input from customers in the next episode. As you'll hear, it's by no means the only thing happening at this gate.
2: The third gate is when you ensure that you have a working prototype and that you have a system vision for the project. That's also where you have your main business case worked out. So your strategy for how to go to market. After gate three is also when you do most of the investments into tooling. So gate three is an important gate in that that is a go-no-go situation where you really need to be clear what the potential and the success rate for this product is likely to be. In gate three, any changes to the product freeze.
1: So if we do not, past this point we're at, there will be no more physical changes. So that has to be locked down prior to this gate three. Now, we always have the option, right, to just stop the project. So if for some reason in any of these gates, something drastically changed or just for some reason, the customers just weren't accepting this product, well, then of course we always have the right to stop a project that comes with you know a lot of cost, obviously, but that, that, would, that would be an option. But you know, past this gate three, the, the product concept is frozen.
0: It's hard to overstate what a big deal this gate is from a product development perspective. That's one reason why, in true Hilti fashion, there are plenty of opportunities for collaboration so teams outside of product management can weigh in too.
1: The other big thing that happens or important thing that happens in this gate 3 and let's say this gate 3 is 6 to 12 months out. Let's let's say it's 6 to 9 months. The other thing that's happening here is we're we're pretty sure on the value proposition. We're pretty sure on the pricing. We're pretty sure on the competition. We're pretty sure which trades are going to accept this product and which you know we we have a pretty good idea we've used all these different you know art and science methods to come up with the we call it an imp number but it's the number we think we'll sell in a in a 12-month period so we bring that into a meeting called product board
0: Product board happens about 10 times a year. The group is primarily made up of leaders in the marketing department, but it also includes marketing team members from the market organizations.
1: And in product board, this is sort of our marketing leadership team that attends that meeting. And the product managers who want to launch a product in the next you know, six, nine, 12 months, they bring their concept in. And that presentation could be as short as 15 minutes. It could be much longer. Right, it, depending on the complexity of the product. You know, is this just a next generation product uh, with slight upgrades, or is this a completely new concept? So it, it could could be an hour of of conversation and presenting, and it could be multiple times in this, this meeting, right? Presenting the, the concept. But in that meeting, what the product manager is seeking, one of one of the things that they're seeking is, you know, yes, each MO, uh, we have a marketing director and a trade team for each MO, we're seeking that yes. All of those assumptions put forth make sense, right? Mo East feels like yes, they could sell that product based on those value propositions. The quantity feels right, all of that. So then, um, you know, let's just say that all of the that presentation okay. went <laughs> went well, and everyone is uh, eager to bring their product to market. Then we would have um, we would have an aligned um, number, our forecast number, that our MOS feel like they can sell, that the product team feels like they recommend that we we bring in and so then orders are placed and hag our our global team global materials team working with our local materials team they have these orders now essentially it's like we've placed an order for a product right and we not only place it for the first month we place it for you know several months thereafter as well as inventory for our vans inventory for our hilti stores you know inventory for our dcs inventory for our wave meetings all of that is ordered then and in a plant somewhere in in the hilti world a uh, product is then produced and then shipped to the north american continent
0: okay now i think we're starting to get a sense of the complexity involved with forecasting exactly how a new product will be accepted and adopted according to david this is one of the most important and also one of the toughest parts of launching a new product in our earlier gates we were talking about estimated forecasts, but now it's time to finalize those numbers. And that comes with some very real implications.
1: For sure, and this this is the kind of thing that keeps product people up at night because this number it is it is so important. The negative effects of having too little product for your sales force to sell, obviously that's a that's a really bad thing. You don't, we always don't want that. Having way too much product sitting on shelves and, and costing us money and inventory that we could have in a different product, it's also an equally bad problem. But it's more than that. And this trickle down that you're talking about, it goes all the way down to a sub supplier of a you know small screw that I, I'm going to use an example of a power tool. Maybe there's some little metric screws that go into the housing of a tool. And that might be a a sub supplier very far down the line, not anywhere close to where the product's manufactured or really not having anything to do with the product manufacturing, but that sub supplier has received an order. Let's just stay on the example of a little metric screw that goes into that tool. That sub supplier received an order from Hilti for those screws, for all the tools that we plan to sell, Many, many, many months prior. Six months, nine months, 12 months, way, way ahead. So they have produced this in the example we're using of this little metric screw. They produce these things. They're ready to go. And if we need vastly more, that's a problem. And if they have all these screws and we're not ready to order them, it's also a problem. So so it all the way down to the sub-supplier of the components that go into our tools, yes, having this IMP number right, it's a big deal.
0: Okay, once we pass the big milestone that's gate three, what's next? You guessed it, <laughs> gate four.
2: The fourth gate is there you need to show that you have a working production setup for a product so you need to show that the product can be reliably in a serial in a serial setup be produced this is also where you do your launch preparations so you will have prepared your go to market strategy your training your training strategy your details on pricing and which customers you want to target there's lots of preparation in this
1: process now we're you know, zero to zero to six months before launch. So there's this is when we're working with marketing communications to work up a innovation flyer, any type of demo video, any anything you've seen that's helped you sell the product, that's happening. And a lot of people involved with the launch at this stage. Materials is heavily involved at this stage. They're starting to maybe even receive products into warehouses. So all of this is happening as we get ready for, for Gate 5, which is, which is launched.
2: And in the end, Gate 5 is basically saying we are ready to go. By that time, everything needs to be ready, set up, ready inventory. in the system. So inventory needs to be in place. You need to have the final pricing set up. All of the combos that the item should have should be there. All of the literature should be available, and our Hilti Online website should be updated. So everything that you can think of in in operational detail has to be ready in order to pass gate 5.
0: Tune in for more on Gate 5 in episode four, when we jump into sales leadership training, wave meetings, and other activities that go into ultimately launching a Hilti product.
2: I mentioned earlier that we have a six-gate process. Gate 6 is actually carried out 12 to 18 months after a product launch, and that's a review on the success of the launch. So what you do at Gate 6 is you go back to The initial stages of the project, where you laid out and said, this is what we want to achieve. And you then perform an analysis on is our sales performance what we wanted, what what we expected? Is feedback from customers consistent? And is feedback from customers what we what we expected to see? Is quality of the product where it should be? Are we currently meeting our cost targets of the product so that it's produced in the range where we wanted it to be? So all of the bases that went into the business case are then assessed and typically you then derive some actions and say, as in, any, as in any successful business, you then do a review and you then look at what can we improve or change in order to make sure that this is a long-term success.
0: So there you have it, the six gates Hilti uses to shepherd a product through the development process it takes teamwork, commitment, and time. But when you look back at the game-changing products we've successfully introduced over the years, it becomes easier to appreciate all that effort. In the last episode, I asked trade manager Ryan Ramsey what surprised him most when he moved from the field into marketing. Let's close this one out by posing that same question to David.
1: Kind of, it's going to sound funny, Claire, but the first couple... I think the most surprising was that it worked so well. Not that we would ever think that something wouldn't work, but it's um, it is you know amazing in a good way that as a product manager or as a, as a business unit manager, you actually have the ability to launch good products that our market wants and needs, and then they go sell right. So that was probably. I don't know if I was surprised, but it was very rewarding to see ideas, you know, become successful and become products that our account managers sell every day. Yeah, I, I, a little bit of surprise when it's your first or second product launch, but um, certainly a great feeling when you see a product uh, succeed.
0: In This Case is a production of Hilti North America. To give us feedback, ask a question, or share an idea for a future podcast, email HiltiDirect at Hilti.com.